You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 98. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me this week. It is the end of April, almost May, as I record this episode. And I just came back from a week in New York City, which, by the way, what an amazing city to experience spring. I did so much walking in Central Park. It was such a beautiful thing to experience with with things in bloom. And uh, it was lovely. Anyways, I was at the Obesity Medicine Conference, and it was so motivating and so exciting to sit amongst all of these other physicians from across North America. America who are absolutely committed to changing the way we provide care for weight and weight related issues in the medical environment. Now, you know that I take great issue with how we as a medical establishment treat weight currently. It's the whole reason why I went and became a coach, right? And there is this strong voice inside medicine to really make change. And I'm hoping that we're going to start to see changes in the way doctors are trained and in the way doctors treat people like you and I in, in the future. So um, I think I suspect you might hear a lot from me over the next few episodes, some of the things that I've learned from this conference, um, because I'm, I'm just really excited to talk about some of it. And a lot of this conference was focused on weight stigma and weight bias and how we as healthcare professionals contribute to that. And I think, you know, we're not the only ones who contribute to that. It's it's the way our society has been for a long time. And We often give young girls as they're growing up the message that they need to look a certain way or be a certain size or have a certain body type or a certain skin color to be considered valuable, I suppose is the word, in in society. And we internalize these messages. And so it's really no surprise to me that we grow up to be adult women who hate our bodies because there's just no possible way that we can live up to all the standards that we feel are being imposed upon us, at least on a subconscious level. And there's lots of work that needs to be done to change that. And I think it is happening. Certainly work needs to be done inside the medical establishment so that we're no longer contributing to weight stigma. But I think as individuals, we as women have to take responsibility for learning how to love ourselves as we are in the bodies that we have. And that is no easy task. But it is the mission of my guest today on the podcast, Rachel Lavin, to create a safe space for all women to feel whole in their own body. And we know that this is a process and we discuss in this episode 
things that you can do to start moving towards a place of more self-love and more self-acceptance. Rachel Levin is a published author of The Donut Diaries. She is also a professional speaker, a body love educator, a certified health coach, and a certified personal trainer. She has lived across the United States and actually began her career as a certified group fitness instructor, which she still does. But she really wanted to take her passion for helping people to the next level. And that encouraged her to become a certified health coach as well. So she wrote her book, The Donut Diaries in 2020. And it's all about her own struggles with her weight and restrictive diets, which like many of us have lasted for over 30 years. She turned 40. And you know that expression, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, that hit home for her. And she made the decision to take her power back and heal from those decades of negative thinking and self-sabotage. So Rachel really began to do work on mind, body, and soul. And writing her book was her way of sharing her message to women everywhere that you are not alone in this. And so now using her book, Rachel really wants to help people who have had or are still still are experiencing negative body image. And she uses three pillars, fitness, nourishment for both the mind and body, and movement and rest to encourage women through this process. So enjoy this episode. This interview with Rachel, I think, is full of lovely little tidbits on what we we can do to move towards more body love. So have a listen. Let me know what you think, and I'll see you next week. Rachel, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's so good to be here. Wonderful. And we're going to have an amazing conversation on body love today. And Rachel, can we start? Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and why you became passionate about this topic? Absolutely. I have been in the fitness industry for over 23 years. And I started off in group X and personal training, and then I evolved into a health coach. And, you know, I've always had this internal struggle with my own body and felt like the fitness industry was the perfect place for me. You know, I can help other people because I know exactly what they're going through. But as your career begins and as you evolve, you realize that you too get sucked into some of the hype that we, you know, just regurgitate out to people all the time and you know I've been on a diet my whole life and you know my it was just a vicious circle and then when 2020 happened uh dare I say its name (laughs) I realized that the whole city I was living in New York City at the time it just shut down and I had nothing but time I had had this idea for my book you know on and again off again over the years but I never really took it seriously until then. And I decided, you know what, why not now? And I chose to invest in myself and invest in my message. And as I was writing my book and writing my story about all the things I've gone through, I realized that my book was going to be just a small part of this and that my real mission was to continue the conversation and really help and strive to make women feel whole in their own body. Ah, that's brilliant. And tell us a little bit about your book. Absolutely. My book is called The Donut Diaries, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. 
It is my journey, my story of the restrictive diets, how many diets, how many different times and different types of exercise I've been on. But it also shifts into my awakening and my awareness of how I really got tired of feeling this way about myself. And I knew that there was a way out. And so how I had to put in the work and do the work and change my mindset and how I just talked to you about how I'm still learning. You know, this is not a one and done. I'm going to love myself now. It needs to be like a healing process. And I really wanted to touch on that part of my story. Yeah. And can, can I ask, do you love your body now? I love my body. Oh, now, God, that's, do that's I have amazing. my days? Do I have my moments? <laughs> of course I do. Fair enough. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be human if I didn't, but the times of day was multiple. Like, yeah, it was always a chatter in my head. How, uh, how I'm sorry, but I'm just going to be real with you. How ugly I was, how bad I was, how my body wasn't supposed to be this way, how I felt betrayed by my body every day for four decades. And so to be able to shift that mindset and to wake up and say, you're beautiful and mean it is just like, I, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but I almost like want to cry because it is so freeing. It is so freeing to have that change because, you know, we punish ourselves more than anyone else does. So to feel this way genuinely about my body is just so amazing. But it wasn't a light switch, right? It was a, it was a process. Yeah, because I'm not there yet. But what I can say is I do have moments where I feel genuine love and appreciation for my body, which is which is new, right? But it's definitely like I'm definitely moving in in the right direction. As it seems like each month I have more and more of of those moments of genuine, um, maybe not always love, but at least appreciation um, for you know for, for for my body. So Rachel, was there? you know, there may not have been a light switch moment when all of a sudden you woke up and, you know, the angels were singing and you loved your body. But was there a moment where you decided enough is enough with the self-hate? Yeah, actually, there was a very, very angelic moment for me. I had just turned 40 years old and I was at the in what society would believe the epitome of the perfect body. I was a size zero. I was, you know, I had a major transformation of losing over 50 pounds in front of my coworkers and my clients. So it was just a constant barrage of like, oh my God, oh my God, you look so beautiful. You're so skinny, blah, blah, blah. And I was friggin' miserable. And I didn't feel like this is, this is not me. I mean, yes, of course, like anyone can get their body that small, but the things you have to do, the constant, like, I mean, I, I don't have to tell you listeners how just, you know, how much of your space it takes up. So turn 40, miserable, wasn't comfortable in my body. And I had like literally a, a moment where I was having this silent, like waterfalls coming out of my eyes and just saying, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to not know who Rachel really is. And I just decided at that moment that all those feelings of hatred, I was not going to feed into anymore. But I also recognized that it was going to take some work. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, lots of past traumas, lots of relationship issues, lots of things that I had to deal with 
to get to where I am today. And let me just say that was 11 years ago. I'm 51 now, almost 52. So it has been a quite the journey. But on that day, I realized that the woman who I always wanted to be, but didn't think I could ever be, I already was, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, it, it, make, it makes perfect sense. And first of all, can I just say, both of us are about the same age and neither of us look it. We both look fantastic. I know, likewise for you. So <laughs> we, we must be doing something right. Hey, right. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. And I think there's a couple of important things worth pointing out on what you just said is one, that you are a size zero and still hating on your body. And I think I think it's important to emphasize that this is a woman problem, probably a human problem, right? And not some of us living in bigger bodies make an assumption that it's only us in bigger bodies that hate on our bodies. And that is not true. This is this is a common problem um, amongst amongst listeners, for sure, for, amongst all women. And then, you know, this the second thing that I wanted to point out there was that weight loss doesn't even like never mind the misery of all the restrictions and everything else that happens when you're dieting. But weight loss does not come with self-love, mm-hmm. right? Like you are still the same person at every weight across, across your journey. And this is something that I see so often is, you know, women will say like, if I only just lost that 50 pounds, everything would be better, but your life is still your life when those 50 pounds are lost. And so the real work is loving who you are completely separate from what your body or what your size is at any given point in time. I couldn't agree with you more, Michelle. I mean, honestly, that's why I have decided <laughs> it's not a real certification. It's not a thing. I just made it up. But body love educator for me is what I strive to do is to re-educate those thoughts that go on in your head because of exactly what you just said. You can be the heaviest you've ever been and be miserable. You can be the thinnest you've ever been and be miserable. But what's the common denominator? It's you. So until you deal with all that stuff, and I I can't I can't say it enough that it's not going to be easy. But is it worth it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think it's actually a choice. I, I think it's a choice. I think if you can just step back and say, I am tired of hating on myself, I want to work towards self-love. I think that's the first, that's the first step. It would be so beautiful if it were that easy, but usually it takes something like, you know, the universe to like to throw you a message and slap you across the face for you to wake up and be like, okay, this is not working anymore. And it forces us to change. So, you know, this also taught, it is a choice. You're right at the end of the day, but we usually try every, everything except for self, you know, uh, improvement or self-awareness. But I think that's because Rachel, we don't understand that body love is a way through all of this. I think that most of us, like, I think this is what diet culture teaches us is that the way through it is to lose your weight or, you know, get buff or whatever, like change, change your body in whatever way. No, you're right. You're right. 
And I mean, that's why the world needs people like you to say like, well, no, that's not the way through there. There's another way through. And I didn't have a moment where I decided really, it was probably a year or two long, like one or two years where I was just, it was the hating on myself that was making me miserable. And I had a hard time seeing that that was the reality of the situation, right? But I knew I knew that there was something else um, going on. So I had this period of time where I stopped trying to change my body to just sit with whatever, you know, came up during that during that rest. And it was just this gradual evolution of realizing that the work I had to do was on me as as a person, as a woman, and not on trying to lose weight or or change my body. And like, and then even once I had kind of had that idea, I rejected it for a while. And then, you know, right. And and then I started, you know, researching body positivity and doing some reading and talking to other people and then deciding, okay, right. It's time to work on my, myself, my, my person, my, my womanhood and not on, on my body. And that's kind of how it, how it evolved for me. That's beautiful. I love that. And I hope that you are feeling more and more confident in yourself because you, I mean, I can see you and you're obviously a beautiful, beautiful woman. And so I hope that that is really kind of resonating for you. And you're starting, like you said, to believe it a little bit more every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, you, you mentioning that it's hard work. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Right. <laughs> so, but do you have any tips for women who want to start on this journey of loving their body more? Where, where do you start if you're at this place where you just want to cry because you can't find anything to like about yourself? How do you get started? I know that things are different for everyone, but I will say a very easy thing is you have to practice speaking kindly to yourself. So when those things that are so easily fall off your lips, oh, this or this or whatever your thing is that you say out loud every day in a negative context about yourself, let's not even... Let's, like you said, let's not even make it about your body because what you're doing is you're degrading yourself. So start small, say something nice out loud. I love this shirt on me. I love the ruffles. It's cute. I look great. Whatever. I love the way my hair looks today. I brushed my teeth today. I I don't, whatever it is, something nice about yourself to yourself. And just do that every day. And people call it mantras. People call it affirmations. But honestly, if you don't physically change those tapes that you do every day, because whether you're aware or not, you're saying horrible things to and about yourself. And I truly believe that that's the perfect place to start. Because if you're inviting that in from yourself, you're inviting that in from everybody else too. I can imagine listeners are hearing this and saying, well, that just is going to be uncomfortable. It is. <laughs> and it, it, is. it is uncomfortable. It is. Yeah. yeah. And you just have to do it anyway. Yeah. I used to have, I used to live in a 400 square foot apartment in New York City. And I had hot pink post-its everywhere that would stand still 
with things that you are beautiful, you are enough, you are capable, your body is perfect, everywhere. Because for me, it was such, I mean, four decades of your life of just only thinking negative thoughts. I needed to see it. I needed to hear it. I needed to say it. So those hot pink post-its were a big part of my journey. So even if, like you said, you think that's silly, it's your space. Nobody else can tell you what to do with your home or your bathroom or whatever. And I think that that's really an important first step is to take a risk on yourself. Yes, agreed. And another thing that helped me was I got in the habit of um, just to myself, like in, in my own head, complimenting every woman I came oh, across, I that. right? And because I find we don't genuinely compliment each other very often. And it felt very uncomfortable for me to say these statements to myself, but I could, you know, be sitting in a restaurant and just look at each woman and point out something amazingly beautiful in each one. And then it became just a little bit easier um, to say it to myself as well. And I found that was something um, that really helped me was starting by looking for the beauty in other people. And then it was somehow easier to see it in myself as well. And I still sometimes do that. Like if, if I'm in like a spiral where I'm, you know, having, having, having some days where I'm not really feeling great about myself, if I just make the decision to look, look for what's beautiful in the people around me, that usually shifts me, um, shifts me out of it. So that was a tool that worked. I love that. I love that. I, I think that is so important. And I would love to just kind of touch on that subject a little bit more what you said, because I do that with the women in my life. And I've even gotten to the point where I'll see a stranger in like the grocery store and be like, that color looks great on you. Or I love your earrings. Or I love, I mean, so even actually giving another woman a compliment is super empowering. So I highly recommend that. I think. But have you noticed how many women struggle to even accept a compliment? <laughs> like it's, <laughs> oh yeah. man. So yeah, so I feel like that. it's getting easier and I'm hearing a lot more just thank yous, whether they believe it or not. I just, I think that it's really not even, that is not the point. The point is the more genuine love and kindness that we put out in the universe. I think that's what is going to help, help us all. I really do. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. So I love the idea of pointing out to yourself, you know, things that you like, and even starting like if, if it's clothing, right. I love the, the, you know, the, the frills on this short or what, what, whatever. Um, and not necessarily starting with the pieces of you that, that you hate. So like, he, here's an example. Um, my husband and I were at a, a, a folk music festival years ago and, it was hot. And so I went to the tent where they were selling merchandise to buy a hat, right? And I have a small head, I just do. And um, I often have to buy children's hats, you know, that, that will fit me. And there was a woman with a much larger head and we were both having a problem. She couldn't find a hat big enough. I couldn't find a hat small enough. And she turned to me and said, you have a British pinhead. And she said it with total 
disdain, like she, right? And and it's like, at, until that point, I had never had any emotion about the size of my head. Like it, it just wasn't, wasn't a thing. But for years after that, I was horrifically self-conscious about the size of my head to the point where I would go get my hair cut. And, you know, like you're sitting there with the big drape and looking at the mirror in front of you. And all I could see was, look how small my head looks. And so when I started doing the work, you know, that we're talking about, I immediately thought, well, I'm just going to go work on loving the size of my head. And I couldn't do it. So I started with, you know, simple little things that didn't carry, you know, so much emotion. Um, And then I worked on it. And now like, I'm back to like the size of my head, not having any... any emotional, um, you know, weight, weight to it anymore. But starting with things that are easier is, is I think a good, a good suggestion as well. I agree with that. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's just so, it's so awful how you hear one thing and it disrupts your, it disrupts your life for many, many years. I've had that happen before too. So I get it. Well, and I, it probably happens to a lot of us, even in subtle ways or messages that we hear as children that we just we just carry through these beliefs about our bodies that, um, you know, that come from other places. But yeah, yeah. So you know, great tip about that. Great tip about using the post-its. Anything else? Any other tools that we can use to work towards body love? I think the more that you recognize that you have to take your power back and that this is something that comes from inside of you. Another thing that I stopped doing pretty quickly on in my journey was I stopped asking people how I looked because I realized that I was giving my power away so much by asking the boyfriend or asking my mom or asking my friends, do I look fat in this? You know, all the things we do, uh, I stopped and, and I really kind of realized pretty quickly how much of my self-worth I was handing off to other people and people who didn't even know me and opening that door for people to, to talk about my body. So when I stopped doing that, I just felt myself getting stronger emotionally, mentally, and physically, physically, believe it or not, how I carried myself, how I brought myself into a room really changed when I stopped looking outside for some, you know, self-love. Yeah. And validation. Yeah. I love that. A few weeks ago, I recorded a podcast on, um, I, I had received a lot of questions on like, what, what do you do when you hear fat shaming? Um, and, you know, sometimes it's when you hear it in the media, sometimes it's when somebody actually says something to you. Um, and sometimes it's the way that you hear your friends talk about themselves, right? And one of the things that I suggested was like, what if amongst your circle of friends, you just decided that we're not going to talk about our bodies, that, you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, the things that are important to us or the things that were, you know, what if we didn't talk about our bodies or if we chose to just talk about our own bodies in a positive way and not talk about each other's bodies. I love that. But unfortunately that is so much harder than it seems. I have a group of beautiful women and and I just moved here to Greenville. So I'm starting a new circle of girlfriends and they come in all shapes and sizes and they all have body image issues and they all talk about their bodies. 
And then when it comes to me, because obviously they know what I do, they're like, oh, we can't talk about this in front of Rachel or she's going to, she's going to tell us blah, blah, blah. I mean, so it's almost like I haven't turned into the fat police. Like all I'm suggesting is that you don't talk about yourself in that way. Now, if you're not ready, then you're not ready, but you're not going to talk about my friend to me. So if that's how you feel, then great. But it's hard. It's hard, especially when people know what I do and they, yes. they shut down. And <laughs> they shut down yeah. Because yeah. You know, like we were talking about in the beginning of our conversation, it is such an ingrained habit for you to talk poorly about yourself that when someone brings it to your attention before you're ready, you're just like, you, you shut down and you're like, you know, kind of push them away. So I, Rachel, the body love educator has to sit with that too, because there is nobody that could rush my progress. You could tell me as much as you want. You're not fat. You're beautiful. And until I believed it, I didn't believe you. So I have to remember that part of my journey when it comes to other women too, even though. Yeah, and that that's very true. And I think this also illustrates the dark side of the body positivity movement, because sometimes the messaging from that movement is that you must love your body, <laughs> right? And most of us aren't there yet. And I think it does an equal amount of trauma to shame people for not loving their body as it is to shame people for the body that they have. Like I think both do equal um, equal, equal damage in the grand scheme of things. It's like so exhausting, right? It just seems right. like when you're, when you're here versus there, it seems so simple, but you're right, it's not. And, and you get it from all sides. So here you, you know, and I, I've been thinking more and more, like the more I get involved in my community with this and I'm working with little, little girls and I'm working with, you know, women of all ages. And I realize how this is an individual, even though it's a cult, cult, what is the word, a cumulative issue, it's also a very individualistic thing. So people may be at this place and or this place and you have to really kind of meet people where they're at. So I really, for myself, had to work on that. Because again, I feel so free. I love my body and I want every woman to feel this way, but I cannot rush anyone's process. I just can't. So the word body positivity, it's well, it's fine and dandy and we can keep it alive if we want. But what does it really mean? You know, what does it really mean? And that's why it's, for me, it's body love or self-love, self-acceptance. And that is the only way I think that these little ideas that are swirling around in our society now are going to stick. Because the more you realize that this is an internal fight and then an internal gift, I think I, I think we can finally make some progress. I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. And can I just say, I love that you work with young girls as well, because I think that is so important so that, you know, we teach, we teach girls from a young age, these skills. Um, oh, I can't wait to see how these girls grow up. Hey. Yes. If we can, if we can have the next couple of generations grow up, and just not even understand what it's like to grow up, to feel fat or not beautiful, then I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, there is an amazing group in the city where I live 
that puts on the, uh, uh, these confidence workshops for preteen girls. And it started because the woman who evolved this program was sitting in a community of women and listening to a mother talk about her 12-year-old daughter talking about suicide. And she thought, like, how on earth should a 12-year-old even know that this is a right and so she she thought we have to do something as women we have to take more responsibility mentoring young girls and so she developed this program and I I get to be a mentor in that program so I take girls through you know and it's so beautiful to, to watch this but um the woman who runs it is a taekwondo practitioner and so at the end of the day these girls write down limiting beliefs that they have about themselves on a block of wood and then they go outside and they break the block of of wood and it's very powerful for them but it always shocks me the things that they write on that block that these 10 11 12 year old girls are writing i'm fat I'm ugly, like all of these, these negative images that they have about their body. And it shocked me that girls that young would already be telling themselves um, these, these things. So, yeah, but that's nothing new. I was an 11 year old girl in the fifth grade, already had breasts, started my period. I was different than the other girls. And I became hyper aware of my body at that age. So I, it's not a shock to me. It's not surprising at all. But I do love. Well, that's depressing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I but I do love like what you said. This woman is doing something, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take you know women standing up for not only our own generation but the generations that have that will come after us. Yeah, and for listeners who might have young girls, do you have any suggestions for how we should be talking to them about this? Uh, yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if this is going to hurt, but you have to stop immediately talking about your own body because they mm-hmm. hear it yeah. and they, it, they absorb it and they live it. They take your trauma and make it their own. And if you right. disagree with that, I apologize, but it is true. So moms, dads, if you have little girls or little boys, let's not just count. Okay. I'll, yeah. Sure. Of course. You don't yeah. feel this way. You have to be aware of how you feel about your own body because you are 100% passing that on to your kids. Of course, Mm -hmm. they're hearing it in school and wherever their sports are. I get it. It's not your fault. I'm not trying to place blame. I'm just trying to create awareness because the minute you say, oh God, I I can only eat a rice cake today because I did this over the weekend. They hear that. Mm-hmm. They hear that and they, and they absorb it. So moms and dads start speaking kindly to yourself so your kids can hear it. And then be able to have open conversations with them because their feelings to them at that age are so intense and so real that even if what they're saying is not true, I'm fat, I'm ugly, blah, 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 they believe it. So you have to be gentle and compassionate with them and listen it's never too early for therapy right like i yeah agreed you're only you're only one person so if you have more than one kid or your kid is at that age talking about suicide it's not shameful for you to get them the help they need Mm -hmm. of course yeah absolutely agree with that and do you still work in the personal training space 
I do. I do. I'm so blessed to have a few of my New York clients stick with me virtually. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actively pursuing it here because I'm really doing my best to get myself, you know, build my business of uh, body love, love education here. I'm doing speaking engagements. I'm working with, like I said, the the littles. I'm working with women who are in uh, 12-step programs. So I'm just really spreading myself all over Greenville as much as I can. My Amazing. goal, my dream is that this is going to be not just me, but I want to partner with as many amazing women like you and like the woman you're talking about and take this globally because it's not just a few women, right? It's every mm. single woman out there. So we have to really stand by each other and help. Agreed. And if you would like to come into my program and do a workshop on this, that would be, you would be so more than welcome. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> and, well, we, we will talk about it for sure. But I asked the question about the personal training space because I've had um, a few trainers on the podcast um, over the past little while. And some of them don't actually understand this. Um, and I had such a beautiful conversation um, with a woman who has been a competitive athlete since she was, you know, a young, a young child and has never really experienced body hate. She's just always, you know, her body has always been something that she's been very proud of and, and loved. And she, you know, had had all of these tips of, of like, well, walking is not enough and, you know, you know, stuff like this. And I'm like, well, you know, we do have to meet women, you know, where they're at and, you know, other things. And, um, you know, some women feel so ashamed of their bodies that they're afraid to walk into a gym and she didn't know any of this. And it was, it, it was a little bit surprising to me. And, but as a physician, I see, you know, physician colleagues who absolutely do not get this. And so part of my mission is to educate my colleagues as well. So this is a roundabout way to ask you, you know, are you doing anything to, um, you know, educate in that space as well to, to make it a little bit more accessible to women who may feel, you know, threatened to go into a gym or to reach out to a personal trainer? Absolutely. And thank you for bringing that part of our industry up because super antiquated, right? So antiquated. And I tell people, because I do speak to fitness and medical professionals on this topic about how you are limiting these people and eat more, or what do they, what do doctors always say? Move more, eat less. Meat eat less. Nothing. Yeah. Means nothing. Exactly. And, yeah. and so I do part of my my work is to educate those people as well and you know I try to talk to them about people who are not your typical size and how they do feel that shame and they're absolutely not going to come and see a personal trainer or see a doctor because they don't want to be told that they're obese that's you know so we need to first of all I mean, if you really want to make a change, can we please stop using that antiquated, incorrect BMI chart? It oh, means nothing. So, it means so, nothing. Okay, so let, let me tell you. Yeah, so I was... Um, I'm an emergency physician, but I also have written my boards in obesity medicine. So I was in, in New York last week, actually. Um, beautiful spring right now. Um, <laughs> but 
attending um, the Obesity Medicine Association conference. And there was a whole morning, you know, devoted to the debate um, over the BMI, because we know as health professionals that it's a bunch of crap as well. And the issue is that insurance companies, especially in the U.S., they use, you know, BMI as a way to approve medications and, and other different things. And so there's lots of work, you know, doing going on to advocate in that industry and to government that, you know, the BMI is, you know, it, it is a bunch of crap. And I am forever trying to educate patients and coaching clients on this as well, because they will be perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy. And look at the BMI chart and say, well, I still have to, you know, I'm still classified as class one obese or overweight. So I, I have to lose, you know, 20 more pounds. No, in fact, you do not. You are perfectly healthy <laughs> right now. And so the BMI as it just existing does damage um, to people for sure. Yeah. And, and so I think newer generations of doctors are growing up understanding this, um, but the work still needs to be done to lobby governments and insurance companies and all of you know, these other organizations that still still rely on, on, on BMI. So I will calculate it and put it on the chart once <laughs> so that, you know, I meet the requirements and I never talk about it again. Yeah. It's just leave it. Yeah. yeah. Well, agreed. Very grateful for you because doctors all over the country are still, you know, living by that standard. And that's too bad. So thank you for thank you for bringing some awareness to it. Yes, and there's a whole bunch of doctors out there advocating as well. So things take a lot of time to change in the medical world, but we we're working on it. So agreed. Yep. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're looking at each other like we can totally talk about this for like an hour. But I got it. <laughs> right? Well, and I mean, it's actually relevant to this conversation because the medical world puts a label, you know, on us. And of course, we're going to internalize that, right? I mean, if you leave an appointment with your primary care provider and they've told you, well, this is your BMI, you're, you know, morbidly obese I also hate that term right you're going to come home and of course <laughs> part of you is going to internalize that and you know that doesn't help um the labels don't help anyone either yeah we have a lot of work to do as far as we have come in both the wellness fitness and medical industries love it but we still have a lot of work to do and so I think that the beautiful part is like women like you and women like me and women who I know of, and I'm sure, you know, we're not going anywhere. So I think, I think that's the positive takeaway from this conversation is that, you know, in the eighties and nineties, we had a little touch of body positivity and then two thousands, you didn't hear about it at all. And now it's on the rise and I feel like it's not going anywhere this time because more women feel confident. More women are tired of trying to fit in a box that they will never fit in. And we have a voice now. So that's great. And I'm really happy about that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Everything's moving in the right direction. And the best way that we as women, everyday women can contribute to that is to work, work on it within ourselves as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And can I also just say there's something absolutely magical in encountering a person who accepts themselves and loves themselves. Like there's, it's just a beautiful thing to see in the world. And, and you are like, you, you've noticed women are at least accepting compliments. And I think like, that's a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing to see. And, you know, I, I, I can't wait until that's just, that's just the standard in our society. Can't wait. I agree with you. So don't stop giving compliments, ladies. <laughs> exactly. All right, Rachel, if people want to find out more about you or your book, The Donut Diaries, where can they find you? Absolutely. I am on the social medias. I love to put S's on everything. Uh, where am I? Oh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all under Rachel Lavin Wellness. My website is also Rachel Lavin Wellness. My book is on Amazon, The Donut Diaries, but you can also get there through my website if you so would like. Wonderful. And we'll make sure links to your website and your social media and even Amazon are in the show notes uh, for you as well. All right, Rachel, thank you so much for this conversation today. Any last words of wisdom before we end it today? Maybe not words of wisdom, but maybe a little gift that you can take with you and just kind of internalize that you are a beautiful, beautiful person and that you're not alone. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.